3: Welcome back. I'm Clay Travis. Uh, this is the Guy at Go Out Kick Studios. Um, this is a uh, this is a big deal, I think, uh, surrounding Dak Prescott that isn't getting enough attention, and it's surrounding Zeke Elliott, and that is the fact that uh, that Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott are both going to be free agents before Ezekiel Elliott is. So, if you are out there right now uh, and you have been hearing about Zeke Elliott and the holdout. Think about what Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott must be thinking about Ezekiel Elliott holding out. Because they are playing both in the final years of their contract and they are risking everything when they are running around on the field. Every time that Amari Cooper plants on a route that he's running, if his knee blows up, he's got $13 million that he's making this year But it's the final year of his rookie contract and then he'll be an unrestricted free agent. And the same thing is true of Dak Prescott. Imagine that Dak Prescott steps the wrong way and he has a Teddy Bridgewater-like injury. He's only made $4 million total through the first four years of his contract. He's asking for massive money. But it's wild to me that Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, even though they don't have contracts for next year, are showing up and putting in the work at training camp. And Ezekiel Elliott, who still has two years left on his deal, isn't in the camp with the Cowboys. I mean, this is a big story, and I think it has to do, to a large degree, with the potential to create some dissension. Because all three of these guys are wanting big money. And all three of them, you can argue, are underpaid relative to what their market value might be. And so, as a result, how in the world do you handle the decision that's going to be made if you're Jerry Jones? Because you can't just focus on any one of these guys. You have to have basically a dollar value in your mind that you can afford to pay for your quarterback, for your running back, and for your wide receiver. And the risk that Dak and Amari Cooper are putting out there by showing up despite the fact that their contracts are up and they become theoretically unrestricted free agents at the end of this year makes me want to reward them over Ezekiel Elliott who's not showing up right now. And the reason why Ezekiel Elliott is holding out now, truthfully, is because he's afraid that Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott are going to get taken care of by the Cowboys, and that's not going to leave enough money for him to get taken care of. But that's a tough situation for the Cowboys to find themselves in where Amari Cooper's contract is coming up, where Dak Prescott's contract is coming up, and where the contract of Ezekiel Elliott is coming up. So what would I do? What do you do if you are the Dallas Cowboy? To Dak and exactly contract demands, $40 million that he wants, that's crazy. The highest paid player in the NFL right now gets $35 million. Dak clearly negotiating would want to become the highest paid player in the NFL and the highest paid quarterback in the history of the game as well. That's insane, okay? The Cowboys, to me, should say to Dak Prescott, we will not go higher than, I think, around $30 million a year. I think that's way overpaid, but I think your top dollar cost has to be $30 million if you're the Dallas Cowboys. And I think, more accurately, around $25 million would be the right number. Now, all these contracts come up at different years, but Andrew Luck makes $24.5 million. Tom Brady makes $23 million. Nick Foles is going to make $22 million. If you told me that Nick Foles and Dak Prescott were going to make right around the same salary. I think Dak Prescott's market value, personally, is right around $22 million. I think Dak Prescott is worth $22 million a year, in my opinion, on the open market. The other thing that I think Jerry Jones and the Cowboys have to decide here is how many teams out there are willing to break the bank to pay Dak Prescott $30 million? I'm not sure there's a single team that would pay him $30 million. If you're the Miami Dolphins, would you rather give Dak Prescott $30 million or would you rather use your draft pick to go into the top of the first round and take Justin Herbert, take Tua Tagovailoa, potentially sit around another year and take Trevor Lawrence when he comes out after his junior year and is the number one overall pick? You have to look at the overall market. Jake Fromm, I think, potentially is going to really blow people away and I think there's a good chance that he's going to come out after this year. I think there are three guys that are going to be at the very top of the market and there's always guys out there that rise up that we don't anticipate in college football but right now I think there's a good chance there are three guys that go top 10 in the NFL draft next year. Justin Herbert, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jake Fromm. And there could be certainly other guys that rise up. But I think there's a good chance all three of those guys end up top 10 picks. Why in the world would you give Dak Prescott $30 million if you could roll the dice on one of those three guys and their contract is only going to cost you around 15 $20 million for multiple years? It's a no-brainer to me. Right now you look at what a first-round quarterback costs as you determine whether or not he's the right guy Kyler Murray, for instance, over the next four years is going to make $35 million. So if the Arizona Cardinals are right and Kyler Murray is a really good quarterback, he's going to cost roughly about the same for four years what Dak Prescott wants for one year going forward with the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think anybody touches him at $30 million. I think you play hardball with Dak. I think you go back to him and say, okay, this is our final offer. If you want to play for the entire season and risk your entire future knowing that you've only made $4 million, that's your opportunity. We then will have the opportunity to franchise tag you. And if we decide to franchise tag you, you'll make a decent amount of salary for one year. But we don't think that you've proven that you're worth anywhere near over $30 million. In fact, we think your market value on the open market is is around $22 million. We think that you are about as attractive as Nick Foles would be on the open market as a quarterback. And we don't believe you're any higher than that at all. And as a result, that is our final offer. That's what I would say to Dak Prescott. Because again, remember, you're going to have to sign Amari Cooper. You're going to have to sign Ezekiel Elliott at some point. And there's only so much money you can pay for those guys. And I think the real big story here about Dak Prescott is one of the reasons why the Cowboys have been able to be so successful is because they have been able to pay the money that would otherwise be going to a highly paid quarterback on other talent that surrounds him. I think the Dallas Cowboy defense is more important and more uh, more integral to the long-term impact of the team than Dak Prescott is. And I'm not an anti-Dak guy. I loved watching him play at Mississippi State. I think this is a huge decision that the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones have to make and I think ultimately you have to be willing to let Dak Prescott walk. I, I think some sometimes in negotiation you have to be willing to recognize that what somebody wants from you is so outside the bounds of what their market value is actually worth that you have to be prepared to let them walk and potentially go back into the market and try and draft another young quarterback. You got, I think, as much as you can get out of Dak Prescott. I'm not sure that his ceiling is that much higher. I'm not sure he's any better than an average starting quarterback in the NFL. You lose a lot of football games in the future if you pay average starting quarterbacks in the NFL top five money. There's no way the Dallas Cowboys can do that. All right, let me bring in the crew. I mean squarely like there's almost like a Mendoza line for quarterbacks he's got much more in common with Nick Foles and with uh, let's say Andy Dalton like very middle of the road in my opinion starting Damn. quarterbacks not an insult than he does I would with take that Russell Wilson or, uh, or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or any of the other guys that were certainly Patrick Mahomes that right now we believe are the best quarterbacks in the league Danny G what would you do here?
4: Remember how you laid out your plan about how NBA teams should all have one exception uh, when it comes to the cap? Too bad yeah. NFL teams couldn't have that for quarterbacks because I'd be way more concerned as a Cowboys fan about re-signing Dak than I would be about Amari or Zeke because it's such a quarterback league. Now, $40 million is kind of delusional.
3: Not kind of delusional. It's <laughs> it delusional. is
4: delusional. There was a report back in June saying that Dak's agent wanted somewhere around $34 million annually. You think that's too much? I think that's much? insane. So 30 is the Mendoza line uh, for thir-
3: you? 30 is too high. But if it's important for Dak to get to 30 because it's some sort of validation to him and because he was underpaid the first four years, right. I do think that's his agent's going to play that card Because of- he
4: made, what, just under $700,000, I think it is, each season. And I was looking up his stats for three seasons— 10,876 yards, so almost 11,000 yards, 67 TDs, 25 interceptions, a 96 rating. Okay,
3: all of those things are great.
4: You're saying that you would take Stafford, Mariota and Carr maybe over deck. They're right around him because I think they're I they're think they're average. very
3: they're very similar. I think that that the Dallas Cowboys have an incredible defense and I think they have put him in position alongside Ezekiel Elliott who has been a massive portion of the Dallas Cowboy offense. I think they have an incredible offensive line that they built to be able to protect Tony Romo because they knew that he was on the back end of his career. And I think that the talent that surrounds Dak as a result at positions other than uh, that he doesn't really have any impact on the game itself from a quarterback perspective, i.e. the defense, Mm -hmm. I think the Dallas Cowboys have a lot of really good young talent around him. I don't believe that Dak is any better than an average quarterback in the NFL. And I think that's the question you have to ask yourself when you're trying to assess his overall value.
4: But he took the team to the playoffs two of his first three seasons. And last year when he got his first playoff W against the Seahawks, if you remember that game, he put the team on his back. So that's the difference over Stafford, Mariota, and Carr is that he leads the Cowboys to winning seasons he had, he into and the playoffs.
3: Mari- Mariota. To give you an example, and I don't think anybody out there would argue that Mariota is anywhere near... Like, he's probably, at best, $20 million a year guy, right? And that's at the high end of what Mariota is. I would put Dak Prescott right around the same level.
4: He's only made the playoffs once in four seasons, though.
3: But he's had three straight winning years. He has the same number of playoff career wins as Dak Prescott. So, I think that Mariota is very similar to Dak I think that um, when you actually break down the amount of talent that Dak has around him everything else the Cowboys are a very talented team and so for a guy to argue that he deserves 40 million dollars is wild and insane even from a negotiation perspective I love people out there it's like you don't even understand how negotiation works yeah I do If you walk in and tell me that you want something that's so outside the bounds of negotiation, that inclines me to believe that negotiating with you is worthless, right? I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. Like, there is a fine art to negotiation. Part of negotiation is understanding your value enough to walk in. Like, for instance... We neg- I negotiate. People are like, you don't understand. I negotiate a lot of contracts, right? I negotiated my contracts. I've helped other people negotiate their contracts. If I go in for my next Fox Sports Radio contract and they say, okay, what do you what 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 kind of uh, what what are your demands? And I say, I want to make ten million dollars a year. They would say, okay, next, like w- w- like your starting point is utterly absurd, right? And that actually, I think. Hurts you in the overall negotiation because you're not coming in with a good faith effort to actually negotiate a contract. Um, I uh, I I I have been involved in so many different negotiations. A huge part of it is understanding what your market value is. If you come in and you are Dak Prescott and you say we expect to become the highest paid quarterback in the history of the NFL and I also expect, as a result of that, to become the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. That's a starting point that's not worth engaging on if I'm the Dallas Cowboys. Because my response is, we love Dak. We think he's been very good as a quarterback for us. He is nowhere near the best quarterback in the NFL. He is nowhere near the best player in the history of the NFL. That's a non-starter. I think if you look at right now what guys make, And I think that's what you have to do. You have to look at the market for quarterbacks. Russell Wilson's making $35 million a year. He's won a Super Bowl. He's nearly won two. He is a much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Every single person out there listening to us right now would rather have Russell Wilson. Roethlisberger is making $34 million. He's won two Super Bowls. He has been with the Steelers a long time. A lot of times the function of what you make is how long you have been in the league because your salaries keep going up if you're performing at a high level. Big Ben, like whatever he is, 35, 36 years old, not an even remote comparable to Dak Prescott. Aaron Rodgers, come on, stop. Uh, Carson Wentz, I think the Eagles got Carson Wentz and gave him way too much money. Matt Ryan makes $30 million a year. Matt Ryan... That's the absolute apex I would go to give Dak money. That would make him the fifth highest paid quarterback tied with Matt Ryan in the league. Matt Ryan is an infinitely better quarterback, in my opinion, than Dak Prescott, particularly if you look at the surrounding talent. Kirk Cousins, $28 million. I think Kirk Cousins I would rather have. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is overpaid relative to what he's been able to accomplish so far. He's getting $27.5 million. Matt Stafford, 27 million, Derek Carr, 25 million, Drew Brees, 25 million, Andrew Luck, 245. Tom Brady, 23 million. Again, I think that Dak is Joe Flacco. I think he's Nick Foles, right around $22 million, is what I think he would be worth on the open market. We'll continue to break this down. What is Dak worth? I'll ask the rest of the crew. This is Outkick. Thanks for hanging with us on a Tuesday in August. This is Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
1: trust of 40% repeat customers. They give you the tools you need to save and grow your money with reliable returns and take charge of your financial future. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. So change the game. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io.
5: Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. Welcome
3: back, Geico Outkick Studios. I love negotiations. Um, you know, when you're a lawyer, a lot of times you are involved in negotiating cases. And a big part of being a lawyer is figuring out what a case is worth and trying to get it settled for an appropriate amount. And there are often mediation conferences and there are go back and forths and everything else about negotiating out a settlement that makes sense. Uh, for your client and for uh, the opposing side. And so I've been involved in a decent amount of those negotiations over the years. I also love negotiations for talent contracts. And I've been involved in a lot of those over the years, whether it was mine or whether it was other people. Because other people in our business, guys and girls sometimes come to me and they say, hey, I've got this issue because they know that I have a law degree Uh, and they say hey can you give me some advice on this what do you think the value is here I was just talking to somebody yesterday prominent person in our industry trying to figure out a value proposition for something that he is doing and how does he value it and everything else and so this Dak Prescott negotiation is fascinating to me because of the way it's spilled out somewhat publicly and You never know exactly what is true because there are relatively few people, maybe, who are at this table. Jerry Jones, the representation for Dak Prescott. Certainly, we've got Zeke Elliott and probably Amari Cooper conversations that are going on as well because, again, it's significant that Amari Cooper and Dak's contracts actually run out this year as opposed to Ezekiel Elliott's everybody's got a limited amount of dollars and everybody's got their hand in the cookie jar and they want to pull out as much as they possibly can from the Dallas Cowboy business I thought as I'm paying attention to this Jerry Jones negotiation it reminds me in some ways of a negotiation that I got involved in when I was doing local radio let me explain how it worked when I was doing local radio uh, I was making a pretty good salary, nowhere near as much as I should have been making based on how the show was doing. And I was doing well enough in local radio that a major national radio uh, chain at the time came to me. And Danny G., you were working there, uh, NBC Sports Radio. They were starting up and they said, We want Clay Travis to be one of our national hosts. We want to have him on in uh, the evenings on our network, we want him nationwide. And they offered to more than double my salary. And they said, we want to buy out your local radio contract in Nashville. And so they went to the company that I was working with. They had a conversation. And the guy who ran the company that I was working with on a national level, the local radio station that I was at, he said, they said, NBC Sports Radio said, how much is it going to cost for us to buy out Clay Travis's contract? And he said, there is no number. Now, I wasn't necessarily happy about that because if somebody offers the opportunity to double what you, your contract for what you're doing, give you a promotion, give you a national show, that's something that is pretty attractive to you. But if your current boss says, there is no number that would allow you to get out of your existing contract, then that is, I think, Uh, a sign that they really also at the same time highly value your work and also recognize that you have outperformed your existing contract. Much like Dak Prescott, fourth-round draft pick, had outperformed clearly his existing contract and deserves a substantial raise, the market was telling my company that I worked for now, hey, Clay Travis is worth a lot more. So the head of that company comes to town, he sits down with me, and he says, don't worry about this, I'll take care of you when your next contract comes up. He said, "I know." I said, "Okay, I understand that. You know now what my market value is. They told you what they were willing to pay me. They wanted to buy out my contract. They were going to give you money to let me out of my existing contract and come do this national radio show." And uh, and and he said and he said, "I understand. I got you." So, fast forward like probably like a year and a half, My radio deal is expiring. Might have been two years that I had left on that deal. My radio deal is expiring. And so they come to me and they say, what do you want? And I say, I want triple what I'm making now. I want you to pay me for not only the undervaluation of what I was making on my local deal, but I want you to compensate me for the lot of money that I left on the table because you wouldn't let me get out of contract. I I, I didn't try to sue him to get out of the deal or anything like that. I served out the terms of my contract, relying on the conversation I had with that guy who said, I'll take care of you. I said, I want triple what I'm making now. That's market value. You guys have had a really good deal with me. I want triple because I think I should be compensated not just for what I'm worth now, but for the last two years for not making what I could have made on the open market. And they said, okay. And so then they slow play me, and they wait until my contract is about to expire, and they email me an offer, and I had said I want triple what I'm making now, and they offered me $5,000 more than what I was making already. As people say, how do you know how to negotiate? Well, my offer that my salary should be tripled was a good faith request based on what the open market would have paid me. Their response of a $5,000 raise, which, if you break it down, would have been an extra20 dollars a day. If you get a, at the time, if I got a $5,000 raise, that's a hundred extra dollars a week. That's $5,000 over the course of the entire uh, year. That's $20 extra a day to do my job. I believed, based on the market that was out there, that my salary should triple. They believed that I deserved $20 more a day. And they had already told me, hey, we'll take care of you. And then they came back with that offer. And I quit on the spot. I said, all right, appreciate it, I'm out and that was my response because the contract offer was such an insult that I didn't even see a point in negotiating any further I said I'm out I'll sit out my uh my non-compete which were valid in the state of Tennessee where I lived and I'll go back into radio when my non-compete is up that's how I ended up doing eventually Fox Sports Radio because that negotiation, they had so undervalued uh, me relative to the market, and their offer was such a low response relative that they had already said, we'll take care of you. I just said, I'm done. I'm not even going to go back and forth with you. I bring that up for this reason. Some people have been saying, Dak Prescott owe $40 million a year Why wouldn't he demand $40 million a year? Because sometimes if your negotiation strategy is so ridiculous, it can break down and you can say, I'm not even willing to continue this discussion any further. When the company that I was working for at the time came to me and was that far off of what I thought was a reasonable valuation, I just said, I'm out. I'll wait and I'll hit the market. If I am Jerry Jones and I have offered Dak Prescott $30 million a year and he has said, no, I want forty, that to me is an I'm out of the negotiation kind of response. In the same way that when I got that offer from the company that I was working for, which was so far outside the bounds of reasonableness, that it polluted the entire purpose of the negotiation, I step back from the table and I say, hey, Dak, I love you. You're a good quarterback. You ain't the greatest player to ever play football, and that's what you're demanding right now. As a result, we've given you our top offer, and we're going to let you play this year, and then we may well let you hit the market because I don't think anybody's going to come close to $30 million. If these reports are true and Dak Prescott has turned down $30 million a year and demanded $40 million a year, I think much like the analogy I just gave you for negotiation, you stand up from the table, Jerry Jones, shake hands, say I'm out. I'm not going to negotiate any further. So the point here is negotiation is the art of the possible. If you come to me with an impossible demand or an impossible offer, What you're really sending to me is the story that you're not being a reasonable person to negotiate with and therefore I will exit this negotiation and go on and try my luck elsewhere. What does that mean for the Dallas Cowboys? I think there are a lot of Cowboy fans listening to me right now saying, you know what? If the choice is between paying Dak Prescott $30 million a year and guaranteeing him $120 million or more. Or, taking this great young defense that we have, getting Ezekiel Elliott signed to a deal, getting Amari Cooper signed to a long-term extension, and then going back into the draft and getting a guy like Justin Herbert or getting a guy like Jake Fromm or getting a guy like Tua with this great offensive line we built around Dak, with this great young defense that we're eventually going to have to pay for as well, and four years of Jake Fromm, of Justin Herbert, or of Tua cost me what one year of Dak Prescott cost me, I think the value, even for the Dallas Cowboys, is let's go back into the market. Let's go back into the draft. Let's let Dak hit the open market, because guess what? Are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? year's? going to give Dak Prescott $25 million a year? I don't think so. Are the Tennessee Titans going to give Dak Prescott $25 million a year? I don't think so. And that's assuming Mariota and Winston both don't work out. Are the Miami Dolphins going to give Dak Prescott $25 million a year? No way. They'd rather go into the draft. Are the Cincinnati Bengals going to do that? No way. They've already got a mediocre quarterback in Andy Dalton. They don't want to give another mediocre quarterback big money. They're going to go into the draft and try to get an excellent quarterback. And so I think it's the point in time where Jerry Jones needs to push back his chair, stand up at the table, extend his hand to Dak Prescott, say, Hey, Dak, it's been great negotiating with you. $40 million a year is insane. You're asking and your representation is asking to make you the highest paid football player of all time. I love you, but you ain't worth it. We'll play for you this year, do as well as you can, and then we'll negotiate at the end of the year. I'll think about franchise tagging you if necessary, but I'm not going a dollar over $30 million a year. And I think $30 million a year is too high. I don't think I'd go over $25 million a year for Dak, and I'm not sure I'd go much more over twenty. Danny G, you agree with me if you're Jerry Jones and if it's true that you've uh, made an offer of $30 million and Dak Prescott is countered with $40 million, that you just stand up from the table, extend your hand and say that ain't happening, good luck?
4: Yeah, I really hope that these conflicting reports about $40 million are not true, that Dak nor his agent said we have to have forty. Because right around thirty would be a blessing for Dak and he should take that money.
3: I don't think there's any doubt. Dub, would you agree with me that Jerry, if that's if that is true, if reports are true that the Cowboys have offered around thirty million and Dak has countered with forty that you just extend your hand, stand up and say, It ain't happening, and this negotiation is over.
5: One
1: hundred percent. I mean me personally, I think the thirty is kind of crazy. I mean, I I, I was shocked when I first saw the report that they offered thirty million, and even more shocked obviously when Dak Prescott declined that offer?
3: If I were Dak Prescott and I had gotten a $30 million offer, I would have broken my legs, <laughs> maybe maybe, uh, maybe crossed my own ankles over to get to that table to sign that contract as fast as I possibly could. And if reports are true that they went back and said we need 40, which would be an attempt to get Dak to becoming the highest-paid quarterback in the history of the NFL, Jerry Jones can't go there. I think he's already going too far at $30 million, but... I think there's a time when you, when a demand becomes so ridiculous or an offer becomes so ridiculous that it's so far outside the bounds of what you think the actual discussion should be, that's when you just walk away from the table. And hopefully, you can end up in a position where you can afford to do it um, because companies will take advantage of you if they can, which is why I was fortunate to be in a position where I could just walk away over an insulting offer Um, that was nowhere near what the market was and more importantly also was the exact contradiction of what the person who runs the company had told me they were going to do I don't need to negotiate with you you're going to run your business that way to me relationships matter and I'll walk away well I feel the same thing about Jerry Jones if these reports are true Eddie if these reports are true doesn't Jerry Jones just have to walk away from the negotiation table and say sorry I'm not doing anything here yeah, I, I I guess if you look at it from Dak's point of view, it, it never hurts to ask. <laughs> but I, but, at, I but actually, at the same time... I actually disagree on some level there. No, I, 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 I completely agree with what you're saying. I, I think that Jerry Jones has been, as I've said earlier, incredibly generous. He's been over the top to a lot of people as far as his praise of Dak. And to make this offer, if this is true, and then have dax say no thanks i'm looking for more Uh, yeah i think that could damage their relationship yeah i mean the example i would use is if you there's no uh, there's a you know aphorism out there that is there's no harm in asking right i i think there is a harm in asking if you ask for something that's so far outside the bounds of credulity that it isn't even reasonable to request it for instance uh i got two years left on my radio deal if they sit down across the table from me and they say to me and my representatives, okay, what do you want? And I say, I want $20 million a year or $10 million a year or whatever that number is, which no one has ever gotten in the history of sports talk radio before, and I'm asking for that salary, then that's a ridiculous response, right? Like, And I think it would actually harm the negotiation in general and that's effectively what Dak has said. Dak has said, hey, I want to be paid, if these reports are accurate, more than anybody who has ever played football in the history of football has been paid. And I don't know about you, but in order to be the highest paid at something, you need to be the best at something. Or at least arguably the best. I don't even think there's a single Dallas Cowboy fan out there who would argue that Dak is the best quarterback in the NFL. And that is why that is such a ludicrous position to put yourself in. Roberto, would you walk away from the table if you were Jerry Jones?
4: Yeah, definitely. Offering him $30 million, man, that's that's more than enough for for Dak. He's, don't, he's, yeah, don't he's a game there's... manager pretty much, and yeah, I think Jerry Jones has got to walk away.
3: And again, whatever you give Dak is what you can't give other players on the team which means the overall quality of the team diminishes. There's always guy out there who's like, why are you trying to keep this man from getting his money? Because if this man gets his money, then other people who are better at their jobs on your team may not get theirs, meaning that you lose them and diminish the overall quality of the franchise. So it's not just about Dak. It's about valuing Dak in the context of Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott and that good young linebacking core that you have, all of whom are going to expect big money down the road as well. Young talent eventually becomes highly paid, compensated for talent. Those rookie contracts move into veteran contracts, which require a lot more money. When we come back, we got news breaking on Antonio Brown. The drama of the Raiders continues as hard knocks Moves closer to episode two tonight. What is it? We'll tell you. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis. It's Clayton Kershaw's walk up music. He pitches tonight, too. Uh, This is the Geico Outkick Studios. Uh, John Morosi covers Major League Baseball, hockey. He's a big Michigan Wolverine fan. Uh, We've been talking a lot about Dak and contracts. Can you uh, remember a situation where you felt like a guy got paid a lot more in baseball than he otherwise would have because the owner loved him? There's an element of this Dak Prescott-Jerry Jones negotiation where it seems like Jerry Jones has been kind of in Dak Prescott's corner for a long time. And if he gives him massive dollars, it seems like Jerry just really feels an affinity with Dak Prescott you don't hear that as much maybe in baseball but I'm curious if you can remember a story like that
0: well good morning Clay and, and yeah I can recall a couple uh, Miguel Cabrera in Detroit comes to mind uh, Mike Illich uh the, the late Mike Illich signed Cabrera to an extension a massive one uh two years before his, his deal was actually up uh and and I believe that was Mike's intention to 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 have that contract represent basically a thank you uh to Miguel for for the amazing MVP years the triple crown year and of course getting to the world series uh but the, that contract has not worked out for the tigers uh similar situation i believe for the the reds with Joey Votto uh, i i think in in both cases midwestern teams not the biggest markets and and those deals have in many ways Hampered their payrolls going forward, so it's not a uh, it's not an argument for or against the Cowboys paying Dak Prescott thirty million dollars a year, but that's uh, uh, a comparison in baseball that that I think is somewhat apt in that uh, both deals were signed before the players became free agents, and and I think there was an element of wanting to keep both players in the uniform at almost any cost, even to the detriment of the team. And I think in some cases, that's been the case when you look at their performance here, here this season.
3: Uh, we're talking to John Morosi. Go follow him on Twitter, at John Morosi, Major League Baseball insider for FS1. Fox Sports also does hockey with us when it's hockey season. What in the world's happened with the Mets? Uh, I believe they're 14-2 and in their last 16. They've put themselves into position to contend for a wild card. Uh, Mickey Callaway, who it seemed like was going to get fired now as manager of the year. Uh, Is this a white-hot, just totally aberrant, unexpected run, or is there something more substantial in the foundation here?
0: Well, Clay, really this is one of the great topics in in baseball right now because they're they're a confusing team uh, when you look at their entire season. But of late, they've been incredibly entertaining. Uh, they really think that the what has changed them has been their rotation. All season long they've been led by some young hitters. Uh, Pete Alonso is one, uh, Jeff McNeil is another, uh, Michael, Michael Conforto who, of course, we saw emerge in the 2015 World Series and then uh, injuries that sidetracked him. Now he is back. Uh, so th- that group has led the way in, in so many ways this season, but the pitching has just gotten better. And I think that's the biggest difference. Uh, the, the offense has been there, but now the pitching is too. And and forever, Clay, they've had the ability to pitch like this. Uh, DeGrom, Syndergaard, now they add Marcus Stroman to that mix, Steven Matz, uh, Zach Wheeler. When healthy, it's one of the very best rotations in baseball, one that can arguably stand toe-to-toe with the Dodgers or anybody else in a playoff series. So... I think there are some nervous teams right now, Clay, in the National League. They do not want to see the Mets in October. And if they find a way to make it to the playoffs and then win that wild card game, uh, you mentioned Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers, I think they'd be none too pleased to face the Mets this October.
3: Let's go to the Dodgers. Right now they're sitting at 79-41. and 41. I believe that is the exact same record as the Yankees. Best record in all of baseball. They have this unbelievable home record of 48 and 16. Are there any reasons in your mind to be nervous other than what you just hit us with with the Mets when it comes to the Dodgers being the best team in the NL?
0: Well, they're the best team. They'll be the top seed in the playoffs almost certainly in the National League and and they have every reason to enter this this postseason with even more momentum than they've had in the past. Of course, they've won the division every single year since 2013, a remarkable stretch. Uh they're almost halfway to the Braves, so when you think about what they what they did, which is really incredible to think uh, that they were the Braves were, were sustainably good for, for even longer than the Dodgers have been. But uh, I I think in general this team can be a little bit concerned about their bullpen. They did not really address it at the deadline. Uh there were a lot of people myself included who would have said that uh, trading Dustin May and Kieber Ruiz in the minor leagues would, would have been a fine strategy if it was going to allow them to get Felipe Vasquez, who I believe is the is the closer that they really needed, or at least the co-closer, along with Kenley Jansen. So I, I think, Clay, there's a, a high probability that, that at some point in time in the playoffs they're going to really miss that that lack of a, though the, 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 they'll miss that close or the co-closer they should have there with Kenley Jansen to help lessen the load, and and um, uh, simply they just did not acquire that pitcher at the deadline this year. So I, I think there'll be some regret there. The big the big unknown is uh, I mentioned Dustin May as being a possible prospect they could have traded. Well, since the, the the deadline, Dustin May has come on and he's arrived in the major leagues and he's got tremendous stuff and great moxie and also, by the way, Clay, one of the best heads of hair in baseball, uh, those, those <laughs> flowing red locks. Uh, he is called by way of a nickname uh, Ginger Guard because he's got the similar uh, hair and stature and stuff to Noah Syndergaard, but, of course, he has red hair. So uh, he is known as Ginger Guard. Love that uh, nickname, really clever. And I think as long as as long as long May can find success in October fishing out of the bullpen, Clay, then I think that the deal, the lack of a deal, has a chance to work out pretty well for the, for the Dodgers. And in fact, they would be able to say, listen, you were all clamoring for us to trade this guy. He's now a key guy in our, on our bullpen. And by the way, we'll have him in our organization for years to come. So a lot of really interesting uh topics there to discuss with with, with the Dodgers
3: Braves bullpen has been a little bit of a disaster and that might be putting it mildly uh they had a blown uh, opportunity here coming down the stretch now the Mets are coming down to town in Atlanta do the Braves have what it takes to hang on in the NL East I know they got a pretty substantial lead with only what 42 games left in the season but the Nationals are coming on the Mets are coming on the uh, Phillies have a lot of talent what's going to happen in the NL East
0: well Clay it's a great question Uh, the NL East I think is one of the most uh, enjoyable divisions to talk about right now in baseball and uh, you're right it's it's a big showdown series if the Mets want to find a way to put themselves into the division conversation um, they almost need a sweep here Uh, they could probably handle uh, just winning the series but a sweep is almost required for them to have a legitimate shot at this division, given where we're at right now in the schedule. Um, with the Braves, you're right, they brought in, they made all the right moves. Uh, I, I would have said on deadline day, they did everything you're supposed to do. They added not one reliever, not two relievers, but three, and they're all pretty accomplished. Shane Green uh, is, is one name that I think really has is, is come on and, and uh it pitched so well for the Tigers this year, but not so much for the Nationals. He's got an ERA above nine for the Nationals with two blown saves. Mark Blanton's come in, and Mark Blanton now is going to be the closer after Green has struggled so much after the first week or so of his tenure, and then Chris Martin from the Rangers. So they added three guys, all of whom got a big thumbs-up from me. I thought it was a really great strategy for them at the deadline. It just has not worked out. And uh, now this is the week, to your point, Clay, playing the Mets where if they're going to get nervous if this is going to get to be a real concern with the division I think we'll know by the end of this week and how the Mets play against the Braves in a really great August showdown series.
3: Um, Interesting showdown series a while back it looked like the Twins were just going to absolutely run away with the AL Central and now they are a half game back from the Cleveland Indians, what in the world's happening in the AL Central?
0: Well, Claire, that's a twelve-game swing. Uh, the, the the Twins at one point in time were ahead by eleven and a half games, and the Indians have just played incredible baseball since the start of July, uh, even the start of June, in fact. Uh, they've gotten better and more consistent pitching. It's a team that's been built around their pitching for a long time. Of course, Corey Kluber's been out, and Carlos Carrasco has been uh... On the injured list while he's battling leukemia, they hope he'll, he'll be back before the year's over, which is a remarkable story. They traded Trevor Bauer following his uh, his outburst there in Kansas City, throwing the ball over the fence, which I think was coming long before then. But uh, it's been their young a combination of their young pitching. uh... Aaron Savali is is one name. Uh, Zach Plesac is another. They've both been excellent, uh, and so the, the Indians have been able to trust some new faces to really get the job done. And then on the offensive side, uh, Jose Ramirez getting going has been so important. He is in many ways, Clay, the, the catalyst to that team. Yes, they've got uh, a number of luminaries there, and Francisco Lindor is an MVP caliber player. Jason Kipnis has bounced back too. But getting Jose Ramirez back to being himself has been so important. He was a top five MVP guy last year, and he really struggled in the first half. And now he's back to being himself. It's like getting a... An all-star at the trade deadline, and he, he's been so important to, to the Indians. And I think right now, you would say Clay, based on where the standings are, that the, the Twins, uh, the, the Twins now trailing the Indians by half a game, uh, and the Indians having all the momentum. I, I, I think that it's it, right now. There's a better than fifty-fifty chance that the Twins that the Twins finish second. and The Indians find a way to win this division.
3: Last division question for you: Cubs, Cardinals, and the Brewers. This battle has been pretty intense in the NL Central all season long. Who's going to win this division?
0: Clay, I believe the answer is the Cubs. Uh, They have, I think, the more consistent rotation of that group. I'm worried about Christian Yelich's back, although I was told by a source yesterday that they expect him to come back today and and rejoin the lineup. But uh, we have seen Clay in this sport. Back issues can linger. They can become long-term concerns. So until I see Yelich on the field every day for a couple weeks and back to being himself, I'll be a little bit nervous uh, about that. Um, and so I've got the Cubs winning the division. Um, Bryant and Rizzo and Contreras, there's still too much big game know-how there for me to for me to pick anybody else. Javier Baez is one more. But the Cardinals, Clay, are a fascinating team. They can go, and I've seen them a couple different times this year, they can go from being a team that I would say, yeah, they could win that division by five games, to being a team that I say, you know what, Clay, they could they could be a third-place team distantly and, and have to hold off the Reds to finish third. I mean, they are so inconsistent. Uh, Carpenter uh, has been on the injured list. Fowler has been uh, you know, both good and bad this year, but for the most part he's been better, but still not as consistent as they want. Mike Schilt, the manager, it is such an interesting team and such an unpredictable team that I can't go with them in the top spot. So I've got the Cubs winning the Central.
3: I know I said last question, but this one I think is the actual last question. We're talking to John Morosi. What 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 does a team like the Dodgers do that's going to win their division? I'm looking at the standings right now. They're up 18.5 games on the Diamondbacks. How do you come down the stretch of the season when you've got roughly 40 games left – And you're going to clinch, I mean, within the next 10 or 12 days, it wouldn't be stunning for them to have locked up the NL West from a mathematical perspective. What do you do then?
0: Well, great point. And we have seen teams stumble late in the season. Uh, In in fact, Clay, in in this wildcard era, a relatively small percentage of the teams, it's a minority percentage of the teams. I think it's almost now around 30 or 35%, maybe even lower than that, of the teams with the with the best record in the regular season, to actually go on to, to to win the World Series. So uh, there there are a lot of different things that they can do uh, looking forward. I, I think you got to rest your your guys. They'll be getting Rich Hill back off the injured list. I think finding a way to work him, him work him back into the routine uh, will be important. That they'll be able to back their guys off a day for rest in the in the rotation, and maybe even skip guys entirely. They've got to get Kenta Maeda ready for the bullpen. Hunjin uh, Ryu, his work, we'll, we'll see where that takes them. Uh, and Dustin May as well. Preparing May, preparing Maeda, and preparing either Rich Hill or, or, or Julio Urias to be in the bullpen, that's going to be a big part of, the, of, of their uh, fall. So I, I think for them it's all about staying healthy, getting the pitching adjusted, and seeing if Cody Bellinger can be their MVP, the MVP of the National League. I think he's got a real good chance for it. We have not seen a Dodger position player do it very often Uh, in recent memory. Of course, Matt Kemp almost did it. Kershaw has done it. Uh, I believe he'd be the first position player since Kirk Gibson uh, going back to the late 80s. It's been a while since a Dodger position player has been the MVP, and I think that Cody Bellinger right now has an excellent chance to do so.
3: Outstanding stuff as always. John Morosi. follow him on Twitter at John Morosi. When we come back, NBA making a move designed to deal with all the talent moving west. What are they doing? We'll tell you. And also, A-Rod, what a tough break for him when it comes to a rental car. Two fun stories. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
1: trust of 40% repeat customers. They give you the tools you need to save and grow your money with reliable returns and take charge of your financial future. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. So change the game. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io.
5: Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious.
3: I didn't know this, like CNN, uh, Chris Cuomo, I guess, is on CNN. Uh, and
4: <laughs> oh, people call man. him Fredo. Yeah, Have he you went, seen this he video? Went, he went after a heckler.
3: He went after a heckler who called him Fredo. Um, <laughs> and I, I I, just, I'm laughing because I was watching the video. Whatever you do, don't call Chris Cuomo Fredo. If you're not familiar with uh, the uh, Godfather, Fredo was the uh, Corleone family family uh black sheep uh weakling whatever you want to call him um from the uh from the godfather trilogy uh and chris cuomo just is going off on a guy uh this is i first of all you i understand like in general as a public figure you can't get into an argument with a random person right like no matter what somebody says to you and I, i i don't really have and have never had any bad face-to-face encounters. Pretty much everybody who listens to this show or reads or watches shows comes up to me and says nice things. But I certainly don't have time to get into confrontations with people who say things uh, about me. I mean, I'm 40 years old now. So I think it's a bad look in general when a grown man threatens to beat up another grown man. Uh, but that is is—it is pretty funny over Chris Cuomo being called Fredo. So I'm going to tweet out this video, which is going viral, um, of Chris Cuomo. Like he says, calling an Italian man Fredo yeah. is the equivalent of calling a black man the N word.
4: At one point, in the video. At one point, he tells the heckler, "I'll blanking ruin your blank. I'll blanking throw you down these stairs like a blanking punk." Uh, Yikes.
3: We need. Can we edit this? We'll play it tomorrow. I actually take, we'll have it'll some, take a half yeah, hour to get all those out Yeah, I know, all the bleeps there. out. Um, I'll talk about it on Outkick the Show later. If you haven't ever watched Outkick the Show, I do it on Periscope and Facebook uh, in the afternoon, uh, and we'll have a lot of fun with this because it is pretty funny in general uh also but again whatever you do don't call chris cuomo fredo uh or any other italian man fredo because that's the equivalent of using the n-word uh according to that's what that's what chris cuomo says on the uh on the tape so uh apologies to any italian man out there who have heard me use the word fredo uh on the radio we're gonna lose our fcc license over this i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be dangerous um we got news by the way uh from well a couple things one did I say this on the show yesterday we're back on lock it in on Monday so for people out there who've been watching our lock it in television show on FS1 430 Eastern 330 Central 230 Mountain 130 Pacific we'll be back on that show on Monday much to Rachel Bonetta's chagrin <laughs> Uh, because she now has to return uh, to television with me.
4: To so, dealing with you.
3: To dealing with me on a daily and basis. And you better
4: step your gambling game up this season. Oh,
3: I know. I need to – I need to. It, it, it was a disaster last year. Uh, so that's going to come back on Monday. So my schedule will get a little bit wilder. Uh, but we. speaking of wild schedules, we have breaking news. We have breaking news, Sounder.
4: Yep, Roberto's going to hit the button right now.
3: Where is Roberto? There we go. Breaking news from Fox Sports. The Raiders are expecting Antonio Brown back at training camp today. Boom. So it, uh, the the uh, let's see the the hard knocks is several days behind. So we don't know how exactly this will be covered. I'm sure that we will talk about it on the show tomorrow. Uh, but there are reports that Antonio Brown has returned to Napa. I don't know if he has come in on his uh, on his hot air balloon again to return to the uh, Raider practice but he lost his grievance over wanting to wear the football helmet of his choice his feet may still not have recovered but Raider Nation can rejoice Antonio Brown your mercurial completely untrustworthy potentially CTE addled insane man who plays wide receiver? There is yeah. the audio in the background. I hope they
4: take care of that CTE you've been talking about.
3: Uh, you can't see CTE with a with a MRI. That's what's <laughs> so difficult about it. You only can diagnose CTE after someone's already dead. So that it doesn't really help anybody to know that you have CTE. Well, it
4: just goes to the point that he doesn't would, have CTE at it all. It would be not useful today or afterwards to
3: be able to have a CTE diagnosis.
4: Tom Tom Brady came out in support of Antonio Brown. Before yesterday. yeah. That's right, yeah. he did
3: before somebody dies. By the way, lesson of the day, whatever you do, don't call an Italian man Fredo. (laughs) Whatever you do, don't call Chris Cuomo Fredo. Antonio Brown is back. Dak's not worth $40 Download the podcast. I'm Clay Travis. This has been OutKick. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.